church. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, so excuse me for the slides. I haven't fixed it. So I'm I'm the one that does it all so I can slip through the cracks. So if anybody ever out there want to volunteer their services, it's fine by me. Anyways, welcome. I'm back from my one-week break I took, and uh, thank God I took it. And so we're continuing our sermon series on the biblical church in the book of Ephesians, or the Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So just real quick, all of these um, that are in the Bible are actually letters from Paul, very personal letters um, to either individuals or churches. Um, so we should read them as such because, um, well, get more intimacy that way and realize just how much love Paul was pouring out and at times his hurt and what he had to confront and such. So anyway, so today we're continuing. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, um, verses 11 through 13. I realize in my notes I put the wrong one, but that's okay. Um, chapter 2, verse, um, and we're going to be talking about by the blood of Christ. And I subtitled it from aliens to citizens, and we'll get into that. What does all that mean? But the main point is going to be today is only by the blood. We only come into a covenant relationship uh, through the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. That is the only way. And this is a thing that we should all rejoice over and rest in because it's not a work of ourselves, right? We don't work ourselves into and through the blood of Jesus. Okay, it's a work of God alone, and we should be comforted in that. So why we say, well, why is this part of the biblical church? Because God's community is only formed by those who have who have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, by those who believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, Jesus is part of the Trinity. Jesus came, died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and is coming back one day for his bride to rule and reign it's only that's you don't believe any of if you don't if you if you discard one of those things then you don't believe in the jesus of the bible and you don't believe in the blood of jesus for real so let's come before the lord lord we pray today lord give us a fresh revelation fresh one not a new one lord it's already in your word but some people today need to hear this fresh revelation. Maybe they're, Lord, maybe maybe they're just, maybe they've heard this before and it never really impacted them. Maybe maybe this text that they've heard or they've heard it in, from different texts about the blood of Jesus and the blood never really impacted their lives. Let it impact lives today. Lord, give all of us that we need, including myself, a fresh revelation. Lord, may you be the only one that is glorified today. Lord, shut my mouth. May the may my, may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I do not glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read from the main text this morning. In my uh, fancy new Bible I got for the new year. So I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version today. Uh, let me just find my place here. Here we go. Therefore, 
Remember, when you hear therefore, always pay attention. Right? We talked about his workmanship created in Christ. We've talked about before this. By grace, <clears throat> you have been saved through faith. And <clears throat> this is not uh, um, your own doing. It is the gift of God. That was in verse 8. Right? So, so that means <clears throat> Paul is continuing this thought. That's why he says, therefore, right? Like if I were to say to somebody, it's cold outside, it's freezing, therefore wear a jacket. It's no different. So, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, that's everybody not a Jew, by birth, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So. The first main point is that Jew and Gentile want a Messiah. So both need the blood of Jesus to be saved. There is no salvation outside of it. There, there is no such thing. There is no such <clears throat> biblical thing as dual covenant theology. Right? In other words, the Jews have their covenant and they're going to go to heaven. And we have our covenant and we're going to go to heaven. No, there is one new covenant which we'll talk about here. One new covenant. Right? We, we, are, we are united. You, you have to get this. Paul, Paul, Paul will explain this, and we'll get into this later on, about this Jew and Gentile and one in Messiah and, and, and things like that. But, but we need to also realize that, that we are the ones, we Gentiles, we're the ones that Paul expounds upon in places like Romans chapter 11. We're the ones grafted into the promises of Israel. So, so we, we can't forget that. We can't just discard Israel, right? We, we can't have hatred toward Jews and Israel. It doesn't, it doesn't, <clears throat> it's completely unbiblical, right? God's plan of redemption for the entire world hinged upon Israel, hinged upon their holiness. Now, of course, we know they failed and miserably, but hey, that's, we see where God still worked through the nation of Israel for the Messiah to come through. That's Jesus. Yeshua, Hamashiach, right? Jesus, the Messiah, right? Yasus, Yasu Christos in the Greek, the Messiah, the anointed one, came through the Jews. Remember that. Jesus was born to a Jewish woman in Israel, lived as a Jew, died as a Jew, resurrected as a Jew and ascended into heaven as a Jewish king and is coming back as a Jewish king. Never forget that. Never forget that. If, if we disagree with that, we are outside God's covenant. Now, now you say, well, why would you say such a, 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 a radical thing? Well, because we cannot hate anybody. And it's forbidden by the Bible to hate a person. It is forbidden in the Bible to hate people. Strictly forbidden. And if you don't think that first John, right, 
John, a Jewish man writing here in First John, by the way, Yochanan in the Greek, or in the Hebrew, sorry, Yochanan, he was writing that we cannot hate our brother. If we don't see the Jews as our brothers and sisters, we're already wrong in that. Remember that. All right, so we need we need to harp on that. Now I'm not talking about we have to become physical Jews. That's not what we're talking about, but but you need to get that. But we also need to get, like I said, there's no such thing as dual covenant. There's one new covenant. One new covenant. And only those brought into it by the blood of Jesus, that's it, are part of that covenant. Remember that. So, second point. Before Christ, before before he came, before he, he died and was resurrected, you got to get that point, and ascended into heaven, only the outwardly circumcised were part of God's covenant. Before that time. Before then, remember that. You need to get that. That was the only way to be part of God's covenant. Right? We, we see here in uh, Genesis um, 17, 10 through 11, right? We have, we have a man at that time. He wasn't Abraham yet. He was Abram, called out, right? He was an idolater. And God called him out. And then later on, this is what happened in Genesis 17, 10 through 11. This is my covenant, which you shall keep. So. Abraham was a Gentile, and he became circumcised, the very first Gentile to become circumcised, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So that was the sign of the covenant between Men and God, right? There was only there was only one covenant nation ever. It's not America, okay? America is not a a, a covenant nation of God. Israel, only Israel, was was and still is the covenant nation of God. Remember that Israel is still today the apple of God's eye, right? Just let me let me pause and say that being the apple of God's eye is not based upon behavior. Because, thank God, thank God, he's merciful and graceful towards us. But you need to get that. And the only way, here's another point in the book of Exodus, where it really truly highlights this point in Exodus 12, 43-49. And, and, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. Did you catch that? So nobody of the nation of Israel. I mean, nobody that were that was not, if you're not of the nation of Israel, you couldn't partake. But every slave that is brought, bought for money may eat mean of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You should not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger yourselves shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. 
but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Now, why did I read all that? To, to drive home the point of how it used to be. And in this old covenant that was, right? How, how can I liken this to today? So <clears throat> now I know, you know, our government aside, you know, letting illegals stream in and, you know, <clears throat> the uh, People's Republic of California, you know, who give out driver's licenses and literally there's a place in a city in California, by the way, that all the driver's manuals are now only in foreign languages, not in English anymore. Okay, so that aside, that aside. So every other nation on the face of this earth and the United States as it used to be, to, to fully reap the benefits of citizenship, you had to become a citizen, right? If you were in, if you came in illegally, right, you had to hide it, but you could not vote, right? Um, you couldn't uh, reap social security benefits. All of these types of things that a citizen reaps. It's no different than that. Only Israel at that one time could you could you reap every benefit, like participating in the Lord's feasts. And now, praise God, as as we so choose, we can all participate in the Lord's feast days. All who are saved, Amen. And I love I love um the book of John. When probably if I had to pick a favorite epistle or gospel, I'm sorry to read, that's probably it. I love John. Just just the way they put it. He puts it. But in uh, in John 1, 29, it talks about John sees his cousin coming, right? Jesus. And he recognizes him and shouts it, right? About, behold, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Amen? So So he points to Jesus as the final Passover sacrifice. Now, what was the Passover sacrifice? What 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 did that look like in the ancient days, right? They would have to have a lamb, guess this now, without spot or blemish. A perfectly healthy lamb. Not one scratch, not one nick, not one piece of wool missing off their coat, right? It, it, it was so much so that, that these lambs were, were brought into a cave. They, they couldn't be with the rest of them. And not only that, but they were wrapped up because a cave has sharp edges. And they would do, anyway, without going into further detail, they would do all these things to keep them from ever having a spot or blemish. Yet, here is Jesus, God in the flesh, sinless in every way. Right? So there's that. And then they would have to take the blood of the lamb and they would have to do what? They would have to put it on the doorpost, right? They would have to put it on the doorpost as the angel of death passed over. So every every house with the blood of this unblemished lamb would pass over the house. Would, would, it would pass over the house if it had the blood. If not, then the angel of death would, would enter in. We know that um, in the book of Exodus where all the firstborn males were killed. But we have Jesus now where now death can no longer touch us. 
The blood of the lamb. Amen. Every person under the blood of the lamb. Jesus Christ. Death has no hold over us. Death cannot touch us. Now we may physically die. There's nothing wrong with that. Because Jesus talked about the second death. He talked about do not fear, fear, fear them who can destroy the body. But fear him who can destroy the soul. And no, no, by the way, that's not talking about annihilationism. No, that's, that's talking about a person going to hell. Giving into the devil's snare and being, going to hell. A very real place, by the way. But if we're under the blood of Jesus, death has no hold. Right? Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I love that. I just I don't really read from the King James, but I love the language in that verse. We have no need to fear death. So there's been people who have actually questioned me. You can't be serious. You're not afraid of dying or being killed or being martyred. No, not because I'm so awesome, right? Not because I'm so tough, but because of the blood of Jesus. That's it. Why should I fear? The blood of Jesus is over the doorpost of my heart. Is it over your heart today, by the way? So my third point today, and I want I need I need to highlight this because there is a lot of false theology. Is the problem with Judaizers? Now, what do you mean Judaizers? Well, it, it was a plentiful problem in Paul's time. It, it was a problem that that back in that day, be, before this new covenant. Right, the only way Gentiles could could come into a covenant in their idea was to was to become proselytes, right? Which is we get our modern word today, proselytize, right? Well, back then there were Gentile proselytes. In other words, those who were converting to Judaism. And 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 so this new covenant came about. And these Jews were trying to figure out, well, how do we do this? Well, then for them to come into this covenant, well, they well they have to become Jews, right? They literally have to become circumcised. That that was their thought pattern. I mean, it's nowhere in the Bible, and we have it today. And and, and this was confronted, by the way, in Acts chapter fifteen, and what we call today the Jerusalem Council. So what happened? In other words, these Jews came down. Said, hey, hey, we got these these non-Jews wanting to be part. Well, clearly they have to be circumcised. That's what their thought was. That's the one they want to push. So the council met together, the apostles, right? Peter speaking out, saying, No, this is wrong. James, the brother of Jesus, Jacob, saying, No, this is wrong. And it came to a decision. And the decision was, no, they don't have to be Jews. And they listed just a few things that they said, well, out of out of out of the, the um mosaic covenant, right? The old covenant, we'll push pull these few things. But but they didn't say anything about having to um become physically circumcised. So this is already set in stone at the Jerusalem Council, right? It was sent out as a decree in letters. But as we all know today, just because that happens doesn't mean people are gonna follow it. It doesn't wash away the problem. And Judaizers came about. It didn't stop them, right? We, we have Paul writing this 
specifically confronting this very topic in the book of Galatians. Right? We, we can't specifically date the book of Galatians to, from what I've been studying recently. It's a very hard book to date. But nonetheless, this was something that Paul confronted. Paul confronted it, this topic again in uh, the book of Colossians. You, you see him talking about it here in the book of Ephesians. Right? Later on, you'll hear Paul reference, talk about this. You'll hear there is neither Jew nor Gentile now. Now, that doesn't mean the Jewish people are no longer. That's not what that means. It just means it's talking about coming into the covenant. Covenant relationship with God. So, in other words, Gentiles do not have to become Jews. If you hear this, run away. Run as far as you can. Do not be bewitched. Paul wrote this to the Galatians, warning them. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That's what he wrote. Oh, foolish Galatians. So I warn you today that, that if you hear this nonsense, if you hear that, no, we have to follow the Torah, well, Jesus said, I have not come to abolish it, but he didn't say that at all. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish it, but he came to what? Fulfill it. He fulfilled the Torah requirements. So no, we don't have to eat kosher. No, we don't have to not mix fabrics. And all that other stuff that that is mentioned in there that when I question people on the subject and they think we have to, and I ask them, well, you say we have to, but do you do X, Y, or Z, right? Do, do you stone and kill and burn certain types of people? No, you don't today. So Jesus fulfilled it, the Torah requirements for a sacrifice. Amen? And, and, and praise God, we have a written recorded record of what was to come. We're in our Bibles right here. And in the book of Jeremiah, is is not the only place that's mentioned, but one of the best places here in Jeremiah chapter 31. It should be on your screen for you to read. Chapter 31, uh, verses 31 to 33. Behold, the days are coming. So a prophecy, not yet something that it will happen. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Let me pause and say, yes, that's Jesus speaking, pre-incarnate Jesus. When you see the Lord in the Old Testament mentioned, that's Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Jesus. Declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Why? Because at that time they were split into two different kingdoms. That's why he said that, by the way. Not like the old, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Talking about the Mosaic covenant. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Pointing clearly to Jesus, the bridegroom. Amen. So, yeah, just pause, just real quick, FYI. Yes, it's another Christophany. And I was pointing to Christ in the Old Testament. For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them 
I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Why, why, why do we need to get this? Because in the old covenant, it was written upon tablets of stone, right? Not just 10 commandments, by the way, but many different commandments that God gave Moses when he was on Mount Sinai with him. And the Lord makes it clear. He, he, he makes it clear here <clears throat> that they broke it. Right? My, it says, my covenant that they broke. <clears throat> though I was their husband. Why, was, why would he say, though I was their husband? Right? Because elsewhere, in the, elsewhere throughout the Bible, when he sent the prophets to warn them, he talked about them whoring after other gods. Yes, he used that. He called them prostitutes. They were prostituting themselves. Right? They were committing adultery by, by going after other gods. He made that point. They couldn't keep it. So, by the way, if you guys still think I'm wrong in this, well, Adam and, Adam and Eve had one command to keep. One commandment. Don't eat that fruit. That was it. One simple commandment. And they broke it. So, if, so, so uh, there are 613 commandments listed. Now, I know not all of them apply to everybody. Some of them are only for priests. But regardless, you, you get the idea. So if Adam and Eve couldn't keep one single commandment, what makes you think we can keep hundreds of commandments? The children of Israel couldn't do it. They had everything. God literally dwelt among them. He went before them in pillars. Day and night, correct? Moses himself experienced God face to face. So much so that his face came out glowing and he had to cover it up with a veal. Yet, Moses couldn't enter the promised land. Right? I would, I would consider him the greatest prophet in the Bible. No doubt. Yet, because of his disobedience. Yes, do you remember that? They were thirsty. God told them what to do to get water. But Moses disobeyed. But Moses disobeyed, right? And he struck the rock. God told him one thing, right? Hey, Mo, you know, you have, you have one job, right? You have one job, Mo. Get him some water. And what did he do? He struck the rock, and God says, because of that, you shall not enter the promised land. And he didn't. So what makes anybody think that, 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 that trying to keep all these commandments will bring us into covenant relationship with God? It's literally impossible. Nobody has ever done it in, the his, in history. Not Adam and Eve. Not Moses. Not anybody prior to Moses. Not anybody after Moses, right? Abraham, right? The, the father of many nations, right? I, I would say he's the father of both covenants, right? Couldn't do it. God simply told him, I'm going to make you. I have a promise. Right? I, I have a promise for you. What did, Mo, what did Abraham do? Well, God, I, 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 think, I think I know better. I'm going to try to make it happen. He couldn't even do it. Don't get me wrong. He, I mean, these people I'm talk, mentioning, 
are mentioned elsewhere in the book of the, in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 we call it the hall of faith and rightly so and and and, and Abraham is used as a fine example by by James right when talking about works yet yet still as great as these people are mentioned still and I have to hit this up because there's so many people out there preaching and teaching this rubbish this this blasphemous heresy that we have to somehow become Jews and follow all these things that are completely unbiblical and outside the Bible, right? So we have other scriptures. So, so the point is also, yes, we can't keep them. But that's okay. Because then it was an outward appearance, right? It was these, these outward works. But praise God, right? It says here, right, and now we'll write it on their hearts. Elsewhere, it talks about taking the hearts of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. Right? He talks about writing the law on their hearts. Clearly, not the external law, but the moral law upon their hearts. And he does it upon our hearts. It's an internal permanent change, a lasting change. So don't let anybody kid you when they say, oh, I'm a Christian, and they live in sin. Don't, don't let anybody fool you on it. Don't be fooled yourself today. If there is no lasting change in your life, then there is no covenant relationship with God. It is not because it works, but, but we have a lasting, a new heart. That the Bible makes it clear, right? Our old hearts, right, are wicked. Above all else, who can know it? But that was in the old covenant. Jesus himself, out of the heart, proceeds all these sorts of evils. Talking about lying and, and, and <clears throat> sexual morality and adultery and, and other things. Out of the heart. He was making that point. Why? Because he said, I am come to give you a new heart. I'm that one spoken about in Jeremiah. That's me. No, no longer will you have an old heart. That was outward. I'm talking about an inward change. Amen? I'm talking about from, from being brought from death to life. Deuteronomy 10, 16 says here, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Be no longer stubborn. Jeremiah 4, 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. <clears throat> Remove the foreskin of your hearts inward. O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Deuteronomy 36, 30, chapter 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Now, why are these important? Why did I talk about this? And you mentioned me, well, I heard about we have to do it, but then it says here that the Lord does it. No, 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 no. The Lord will enable us to make a choice, right? We don't have the we don't have free will to make choices, by the way, outside of God, outside of his enabling us to make a choice. It's the Lord's work. And this is a warning. If you don't do this, what happens? 
The Lord says here, lest my wrath go forth like fire. Yeah. We, we don't believe this. We don't live it. It's not part of who we are. Guess what happens? The wrath of God abides upon us. We're also storing up wrath for the day of judgment, the Bible says as, as well. That's that We have to get that. If we're not part of this new covenant, if we think works will save us, maybe, maybe, maybe you're a Jehovah Witness. Maybe you're listening today. Praise God if you are. And you believe that, that, that I have to knock on doors and convert as many people to, to being a Jehovah's Witness as possible. And then I hope to get into, get into uh, I think they have paradise. Right? And that's why you feverishly knock on people's doors. Yet that's not what the Bible says. It's a, it's a work of the Lord. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're a Muslim or or or, or uh, an observant Jew, right? Because they both believe the exact same thing about what works, and they hope that they're they, they have this hope, hopefully, but they have a doubt inside of them. Maybe, hopefully, my my good works, out or my good deeds, we'll call it, will, will outweigh my evil deeds. I hope so. So some of them may may be assured. Outwardly, but you just dig a little bit further, and that was not that below. It's 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 not below the surface. It's just right there below the surface. The doubt. Why? So so con, con, to this new covenant, we have no doubt. Let me tell you what: walking around thinking, "Oh, am I saved or not?" is no way to live. Thinking thinking you can lose your salvation, like you lose a set of keys. Is not biblical. And I urge you today, come before God if that's you. If you're living in these doubts, then you know what? Then you don't have a covenant relationship. I'm not saying we're not tempted with doubts. I'm not saying we won't doubt certain things, but the salvation is the one thing that a true believer never doubts because they know it's not a work of themselves, because they know it's by the blood of Jesus. Amen. So I urge you today, if you're doubting, come before God, repent of your sins. Confess with your mouth that you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the Lord's work. It's an inward change. It's a permanent change. That's why I keep, keep harping on this, right? It's not, oh, now we're wearing garments with the titsy, right, the tassels on it. We're not wearing those. That's outward. I, oh, my gosh, if, if, I, if I don't wear that, then I'm, then I'm in disobedience to the Torah. No, that's no way to, for a person to live el anywhere. Okay. So, point number four. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, is, is, I know I talked a lot, but hey, my notes are just a guide. They're not definitive about how I go by. Only through the blood of Jesus I've been talking about. So, so, in, um, in ver verse uh, 13, Paul makes this point about how we were far off, right? Or alienated. Now, I like to keep things simple most times, but as I was studying and preparing, I just really think the Greek really gets this. Now, it's going to be up on the screen. I'm not going to try to butcher that word. But in the Greek, right, we were far off or alienated, depending on your translation. It literally means to be shut out from one's fellowship and intimacy. Check that out. 
Once upon a time, Christian, we were all shut out from fellowship with God. We had no fellowship. I don't care who you are. I don't care. Well, I was raised a Christian. No such thing, by the way. I went to church. I was born to a Christian family. My dad was a pastor. None of that said you had fellowship. We were all that way. Outside of faith in Christ alone, washed, coming, coming through the blood of Jesus, we were all outside of fellowship. So only through the blood of Jesus anyone brought near to God. I want you to catch this. So I'm using the Greek today. All right, so we see the word brought here. Right, again, another word, and I'm agonicity or something like that. <laughs> I can read it just fine, but pronouncing is a whole other matter. Anyway, I love it. And there's a reason. I want you to, I want you to really, if you're watching on, on video today and you're not listening by audio podcast, I want you, I want you to really just stare. I want you, I want you to, I want you to soak in this meaning. It's wonderful. To become. I love it. To come into existence, begin to be, receiving being, to become, to arise. Why, why did I say? Because you see the word brought, and well, you say, well, and we think of it like, well, I brought my friend to church, right? But it's more than that. It's more than that. Brought near, we, right? Where else did we find this stuff? And like places like Romans chapter six, from death to life. Right? We were buried with Christ, baptized, and we rose to life. We arose. We, we arose, and then we were brought near into fellowship with God. Right? The Greek word here for the Greek meaning for the word near. Right? Listen, to those who are near access to God. Amen. Fellowship, intimacy. Right? Now, Jews back in the day, you know, Jews as opposed to those who are aliens. Remember, only the Jews, only only Israel, were not alienated from God at one time. And it says here in, in this meaning, by the way, it's one of where I get this stuff from. It's free. NET Bible, by the way. Go check out NET, NET, netbible.org. So, <clears throat> the rabbis used the term to make nigh as equivalent to make a proselyte, right? In other words, bring a Gentile into being a Jew, right? They be they would they would become proselytes. They would they would become on their way to being a Jew after they did X, Y, and Z. But the blood of Jesus is the only way. And you know what? Even the Jews knew this. The Jews knew this. They say, well, well, how? Because it's it's in it's in right there in the Old Testament. Not only is it in the Old Testament, but it's right there in Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And in Leviticus, chapter 17, verse 11b, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Now, now there's another translation on this screen from the new JPS, the new Jewish publication. Okay? And, and there's a reason. I'll get to that in a second. Let me read it first. And I have assigned it to you for making expiation for your lives upon the altar. It is the blood 
as life that affects expiation. Now, there's a reason why, why, I put the, why, why I took this from the new JPS. Why? Because this is a, an English translation that many Jews follow, read from today. It's taken and directly translated um, from the Masoretic text, okay, the Hebrew text. And, and I say that because it's right there. Because rabbinic Jews today, right, they, they don't hold to blood sacrifices anymore. They don't hold sacrifices today. In, in the Talmud, in, in the oral law, they hold to many different things. Yet right there in their own text that they read today. So, by the way, let me pause and say if anybody says, well, you're not reading it from the Hebrew. I know I'm not. And I'm not going to even try that. But it is an English translation. If you're watching today and you're unsaved Jew, maybe. Well, I'm taking it directly from your translation. I didn't use any other translation but yours. Now, why did, why did I also think? Because the word expiation is used. What is the meaning of expiation, right? It's the act of atoning for a crime. The act of man, making, check this out, satisfaction for an offense. By which the guilt is done away with and the obligation of the offended, God, in this case, talking about God, and the obligation of the offended pers person to punish the crime is canceled. And why do I say that? We, we think God is oftentimes coming to us, please come to me, right? Or, or we say, we, we, we don't think that Jesus uh, dying upon the cross, we don't like that penal substitutionary atonement, right? In other, in other words, he got punished because of us. We don't like to hear, oh, that's offensive. That's not nicey, nicey God. I don't like that God. But you don't understand that God's ju God's justice, God is just. Remember that He is merciful. Thank God. Yes, He is graceful towards us, but He is just, and His justice had to be satisfied. No different than if we committed a crime and went before the courts, right? And depending on where you are, of course. But basically, you committed a crime. You had to prove it for the judge, and the judge was like, "Okay." That's your sentence. Or this is the fine you have to pay for me to be satisfied. I mean, you'll hear judges do this type of thing in, in especially trials and the murder trials, right? And, and they'll give an explanation. Well, you are evil. Why did you, I, I'm just, boom, I'm throwing a hammer at you. And rightly so. That's God. So we offended God by our sin. We offended him. We, there, there's not, there was no permanent satisfaction that would do it. There was no animal sacrifice that could do it. There are no works that could ever do it. Only one, the blood of Jesus. Remember, I, remember, talked about in the Old Testament. What happened in the Old Testament? Remember, the angel of death passed over if the blood of Jesus or if the blood of the Lamb, right? But now we have the blood of Jesus, right? The Passover Lamb, that, the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Therefore, those under the blood of Jesus do not have to suffer the second death. Amen? We don't have to go to hell. 
We don't have to be chucking into the lake of fire at the final judgment. But be warned, if unless you're under the blood of Jesus, that is, that will be, you say, and currently, the way it is, unless you repent and change, will be your end. That is your future. But thank God, Jesus died upon the cross to satisfy the justice of the Father. Now, what I say, the Father, right? Because we often treat the Father God as some daddy. Now, I'm not getting into the terminology. I'm just saying we treat him, we treat him like a giant vending machine. And the Father is so nice and lovely. And Yet Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus talked and talked and talked about holy living. Warn, repent, and believe, or else you will be cast into the fire. And he made these analogies. As he said, like I said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The nature is not different. The nature is not different. There is no nature of the Trinity that is somehow different. Maybe different in function in a way, but definitely not nature. Well, how do you know that? Remember Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Rev in the book of Acts? Who struck them down? And why? Peter said, because you lied to, not Jesus, you lied to what? The Holy Spirit. And they were struck down by the Holy Spirit. Trinity is true. And, and, and the nature of God does not change. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is just. But we can never do anything to atone for our own sins. Rest in that. I, I rest in that because there are so many religions out there today where they have to work, 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 work. But God says, no, my justice was satisfied upon the cross. So that means, no, God is not sending anybody to hell. Now, I can't remember who said it now, but somebody once said that the doors to hell only open one way, inwardly. That means people willingly walked into hell. So, so for those of you out there who may say, well, God is mean. Why does, he, why does he send people to hell? If he was a loving God, he wouldn't do that. Well, he doesn't because he is, he is a loving God, right? What happened? The cross happened. So now every person who goes to hell goes of their, of their own volition. So thank God, as we wrap up, as I wrap the sermon up, Thank God no more proselyte or Gentile converts to Judaism. Now, of course, as a guy, I have to be extremely thankful of that because I came to Christ, and my memory fails me about how old I was, but, you know, as an, as, a, as, an, as, an, uh, as an adult, imagine I would have had to go through the um, circumcision. Thank God I don't have to do that, and as a guy just thinking about that makes me shiver. And and just the thought of it, just alone, just no, please. So you women, you know, you women like to tell us guys, you don't know how lucky you are. Women, you don't know how lucky you are. To come into the covenant relationship, you didn't have to get circumcised. Remember that one. Just, just remember that. Every time you tell your husband, you know how lucky you are. I bet Abraham was telling Sarah that. Sarah, you don't know how lucky you are. Do you, you, you know what I just had to go through? Anyway, thank God for real, though. We don't have to work. It's not a work. We don't have to go through the massive steps that, that Jews today 
to be accepted into Judaism or Gentiles who want to become a Jew, which is, you can't do that. As, anyway, I'll go into all that. I mean, there are crazy things listed in the Talmud that you have to do. You actually have to, if you're married, you actually have to divorce and come back together and get remarried. Yet the Bible says God hates divorce. Right? They have to go learn all this stuff. They have to get taught about all this stuff. All this just to become considered part of a covenant. We don't have to do any of that, thank God. Remember, Jesus cried upon the cross. It is finished. Rest in that today, Christian. It is finished. You didn't do the work. It's finished. You came. You were washed by the blood of Jesus. It's finished. Yes, I understand. We are not perfect. But we didn't have to do it. We don't have to do anything more to get into heaven. We don't have to get baptized in water. We don't. I know I, I'm, I'm not speaking against water baptism. Please hear me. And the point I'm trying to make. Even even a thief upon the cross, right? He didn't get water baptized. He didn't become a church member first. Right? He didn't have to recite the uh, the Nicene Creed. Or all these things that we put on marks of, well, salvation. No, no. All those things I mentioned are fruits of salvation. But what I'm saying is, I want you to have hope today. Because some of you out there, I just I believe people need to hear this. By the unction of the Lord, I'm gonna, I got to say this. You may be, you may have some loved ones today, elderly loved ones at that, especially or sick ones, and you're and you're grieving because you're like they didn't come before the Lord. Let me tell you what. Until a person draws their very last breath, they can get into heaven. There is a chance for them to repent. How how do I know? Because it's in my Bible, the thief upon the cross. Literally dying because you repented, Jesus said today, said to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. In that instant, he didn't say, Hey, later on, you'll be with me. Right? He didn't say, Well, I gotta go down to Abraham's bosom first. He said, Today. Why would he say such a, a thing? They were still on the cross. Today. Because as soon as we come under the blood of Jesus today, I want, I want to urge you, don't give up praying for your loved ones. Don't give up hoping. Because it doesn't matter if they accept Jesus and seconds later they die. Because today, I want, I want to assure you of that. I want to assure you today, don't think you're too far from God either, by the way. If you accept Jesus, right? If you make him your Lord today, today could be your day. Today could be your day. And wrapping it up, instead, all who come through the blood of Jesus are covenant people, Jew and Gentile alike. Yes. Yes, there are such things as Jewish believers. There are such things as Christians, Gentiles, both. All who come under the blood of Jesus are now in a covenant relationship. Jew and Gentile alike. Amen? I, 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 there's so much anti-Semitism on the rise. So much Jewish hatred on the rise. Which, which blows my mind, by the way, because this book that we read today in our hands, 
is a thoroughly Jewish book pointing to the Jewish Messiah. Yet, people have the audacity to think they can claim to love the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, yet hate the Jewish people. And a literally impossible thing to happen. Romans, if you think that today, read Romans 11 all the way to the end. What God says about boasting against them and what he, what he does to people like that. But we are one. That's a beautiful thing. Anybody who comes in the blood of Jesus. Amazing. Wonderful. This, this, this is a wonderful, wonderful deal. <laughs> Best deal ever. I almost feel like a used car salesman. This is the best deal ever. You know, it's not buy one, get one free, by the way. It's that you were purchased with a price, the Bible says. You were bought with a price. Salvation is not free. You were bought with a price. As, as, as I wrap up real quickly, let me, just, let me just highlight that. Like I said, my notes are just a guideline anyways. I want, if today you think for one moment, right, you can repent and then go live in sin again, you're trampling over that sacrifice. You're treating that price of salvation as nothing. It's blasphemous to say that salvation is free. It is not free. Don't ever think that Jesus died in your place, in my place. It is not free. A debt had to be paid. God's justice had to be satisfied. It is not free. It costs every person. It costs us our very life. It costs us everything. We have to leave it all behind. What is the mark of choosing salvation? Simply put by Jesus. Amen. What is that? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus daily. That is what salvation looks like. You make a choice. I'm done living for the world. I'm done with anything of the world. Whatever the cost, I'm denying that. I'm, I'm, I'm denying, I'm denying um, streaming on Amazon Prime all day long instead of reading my Bible or praying. I'm denying binge-watching show after show after show, but I don't pray and I don't read my Bible. Right? I'm denying sleeping in so I can walk in the cool of the day with my Lord, the cool of the morning. I'm denying even my own family if that's what it comes to. Old relationships, and I will take up that cross. And I will follow my Lord every single day. Salvation is not free. I want, I want you to just dwell on that. Maybe, maybe you are saved. Maybe, maybe you are walking, but sometimes it's just, you know, it is what it is, and that's fine. There's no condemnation. Just, 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 just meditate that you didn't do it. Meditate on the fact that it wasn't because of you you're saved. It was only because of the blood of Christ. Amen. So we'll continue on, of course, next week. I don't know how long we'll actually be in the book of Ephesians. We'll, we'll definitely be in there. I can guarantee you for a while.
But be blessed today. In the name of Jesus.